Well, as the biggest loser in the room, I feel like I am so uh, much the expert on the topic that we're going to be covering through this series. Um, I'm excited about this uh, topic. I'm excited um, because of this, that God does some of his best works of grace through losers. And so I am super excited about this topic. I just want to kind of let you know some things about myself. I function best when things go like I want them to go. When things happen the way I need them to happen or they go the way I expect them to go. I spend most of my days, every single day, trying to make sure that things are going to happen the way I want them to happen. And mixed with that, then, uh, I do some things during the day to make myself happy. Um, I completely try to avoid things that do not make me happy. I completely try to avoid things that frustrate me and that irritate me. And at the end of the day, I have worked really, really, really hard to make sure that I'm satisfied. I'm living my story. I feel like I'm the only one in this room that can live my story. And I'm living my story, and my story that I'm living, it's about me. This story that's about me. So every single day of my life, I find myself being focused on my story, creating that story, I find myself focused on my life. Now, that, I, that sounds like a good focus, and it sounds like, oh, that, that, that's great. An intense focus on someone creating their story, creating the best story that they can create. But I just want to say, this is my first confession in this series called Confessions of a Loser. That's my first confession. I live my life as if it were about me. Now, haven't you done that too? I, I can't be the only one. Have you not possibly done that as well? But maybe for you, maybe you are not nearly as selfish as I am. So for you, just possibly, maybe your focus has been slightly different. Maybe for you, the story has not just been all about you. Maybe for you, maybe it's about your kids. Maybe it's about making their lives easier or their life possibly happier. Or maybe it's about making their life obstacle-free. Or if obstacles do come in the way, maybe you grab their hand and you barrel through it with them following behind you and you're removing obstacles out of their way. You're either getting them over them or around them or through them. Maybe your story has not been all about you. Maybe your story has been about you and your family. Or maybe for you, it's been about you and your friends. Maybe a small circle of friends. I think deep inside we know it doesn't really sound right for me to say that my life is about me. And so perhaps, maybe you say it's not even much better to say it's about me and my family, or maybe it's not even a whole lot better to say it's about me and my friends. So maybe we would say this, with our mouths we would say, oh, no, 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 it's, it's not about me. 
my life is not about me. Because we know somehow deep inside that doesn't sound really right. It sounds pretty selfish. So maybe we put things on Facebook that say, it's not about me. It's not all about, I recognize it's not all about me. Or maybe we go and get a tattoo that says it's not about me. But then when we look at and analyze our decisions and our actions, our reactions to people, maybe all of those things actually scream, it is about me. Please make me content. Make me secure. Make me happy. Make me calm. Please make my life more peaceful. Make me more satisfied. Make me, you might say, not single. Or you might say, make me a different wife. Or make me a different husband. Give me something that's going to make me feel better. And the one common denominator of all of that is simply the word, me. Because all of us, I believe, on some level have a constant struggle to live our lives about us and possibly our small circle of friends and family. Surely, surely I'm not the only loser who struggles with living their lives about themselves and that small circle around them. When I was a teenager, I look back, it was all about me. In 2009, when I hit one of the lowest, if not the lowest point of my life with depression, it was all about me. In 2011, when I came home and I saw a note on the table that said, my wife, she was gone and said, I I don't want to be married to a pastor anymore. Those immediate days and weeks and months and maybe even years following that, guess what? It was all about me and the way I felt and what was happening in my life. As I look back, the most significant moments in my life, they were all about me. And they were all about the way I felt and what was happening to me or around me. It was all about me. And how this life impacted me. To help us understand perhaps where we're headed today, one of my mentors from a distance, didn't even know he's a mentor, but one of my mentors from a distance, he kind of describes it this way, so I want to describe it this way. Let's assume that Matthew McConaughey came back to Stuttgart to shoot another movie, all right? Let's just assume that. And let's assume that there's a giant scene in the movie, just one scene, where there's this really long parade, and it starts on one end of Main Street, and it goes all the way down Main Street. And so they need the entire town of Stuttgart and the surrounding areas to fill 
the, the lines on both sides of Main Street for this parade. And so that means there's a lot of extras in this movie, and I am one of those extras. Let's just assume that. I'm one of the extras. I am lining the street, not me, just me, but along with a lot of other people, and I'm in the movie. I mean, it's a sure thing, because I'm like in the front of the line, I I mean, uh, up there against the street. I'm going to be in the movie. When that part of the parade comes by, I will be in the movie. And this is exciting for me. Um, So the movie comes out. And if you're in that movie, you're probably doing the same thing. You are looking, you, you go and you watch and you watch and you study that specific scene. As you're sitting in the theater, you're waiting, studying, looking intently for that one half of a second that you're in the movie. And as I'm watching it, I see myself way over here in the corner of the screen. A little bitty tiny piece of my big fat head right there in the corner. I see it. No one else really can tell that's me, but I know that's me. I know what I was wearing. I know that's me for a half of a second right over there in the corner of the screen. I made it. I'm in the movie. I'm in the movie. And so I'm like, uh, you know, I've got family members who, who maybe went to the movie. And I was, there, there, there I am. That's me. And I mean, like my mom, if she were there, she would have been impressed. She would have been happy. Of course, I'm happy. I'm in the movie. No one else may know that I was in there, but I know that I was in there. No one else may even care that I was in the movie, but I care, and my mama cared. Because <laughs> I made it. Let's take it. I was only in there for a half second. <laughs> half second. One step further. What if, what if I go rent for a night, the rave in Little Rock on Colonel Glen Road. I go rent it one night. I buy all the seats and I invite everyone I know to come and see the movie. And I let them know, you got to come and see this movie about me. It's amazing. This movie about me is phenomenal. You got to come and see it. I paid for it. Y'all come. You'll just come. Everybody in Stuttgart would look at me like I'm crazy because they know that movie is not about me. I am barely in the corner of the screen for a half of a second. That movie is not about me. It's not. And if that were your story, that movie would not be about you. All of Stuttgart would say, Harley is an idiot. Now, they may already say that. I I don't know. But it would be confirmed. Harley is an idiot. If he thinks that that movie 
is about him. The reality is most of us, certainly me, most of us are like that. We think that this movie of life is about us. We think this movie of life is about us. Think, think about it with me. So God created the world. Were you there? I, I mean, was God talking about you when he said that his creation was very good? Was he talking about you? Was he talking about me? And so in this movie of life, God creates it all, and then God's creation rebels against him, and then God floods the entire world to get rid of the mess that his creation had made from it. Several generations go by, and God picks this old, really old, old man, 99-year-old man. That qualifies as really, really old. He picks him, his name is Abram, and he picks him to be the father, no children yet, but to be the father of a nation, which means he was going to have to have some kids. <laughs> now, did God seek your advice on that? He didn't, did he? And if you have not already caught on, it is going to be God who is the main character of this movie called Life. And then came this other person named Joseph, followed by a big old thing in Egypt, and then followed by this guy named Moses, and many other, other, other people, all of whom this movie is not about. God is the one who picks the people. God is the one who selects the places. God is the one who decides on the characters and the action of the characters. And God is the one who creates miracles through their lives and in and around their lives. God is the one. My mentor goes on to say that into this movie now, God at this point inserts these people called judges, and then these people called prophets. And they come into this great movie because it seems as though this nation that God has created cannot give God the one thing that God asks from them, and that is obedience. But then comes this climactic scene. God sends into His creation to live among them God's Son, God Himself. And He's there to show them what real love is as He dies for the sins of the world. Three days later, He is resurrected and He lives again. His heart is beating again. And then He leaves this earth and He goes back to be with the Heavenly Father in a real place called heaven. And that is where he is at this very moment, with his heart still beating, because he's alive. And even though this great movie is not finished yet, 
We know what's going to happen because God let us read the script. We know what's coming. It ends with all of the followers of Jesus surrounding God's throne and they're worshiping Him and praising Him because only He is worthy of worship. From the very first scene of this movie called Life to the very last scene that we're aware of, it is all about God. So how can I continue to think and to live as though this were about me? You see, our tiny lives fall somewhere between where Jesus was resurrected and somewhere between there and this last scene that we're kind of aware of where all of the followers of Jesus are around His throne worshiping Him. And our lives fall somewhere in between there. So our lives are like that little bitty half second of me as an extra in a movie. We have what we feel like is a lifetime, but in the grand scheme of things, we have this little half-second scene in this great big movie of life. And I don't know about you, but I want to learn how to make my half-second my half-second life to be all about making a big deal about the main character of this movie called Life, God. And that is what each of our half-seconds are supposed to be about. I have to learn how to get over myself. You have good things that are happening in your life right now. You do? If you do, if you have good things happening in your life right now, then great! Because God wants to show the world that you can be blessed and still be completely obsessed with God. Do you have bad things happening in your life right now? I mean bad things. Then great. Because God wants to show the world through you that bad things can happen and God, only God, can still bring you a sense of peace in the middle of the storm that you're living It really doesn't matter what is going on in your life at this moment. Your job and my job is to bring glory to God through whatever it is. The point of our lives is to point to Him. The point of your life is to point to Him. The point of my life must be and must become 
to point to him. Because it's his movie. It's his world, and it is his gift to you to allow you to be in his movie. Now, we know. We know that we're supposed to love God. We know that. And that's why we're even here today, instead of sleeping in, or instead of going to the river this morning. That's why we're here, because we know we're supposed to love God. But here's a confession for you. Some mornings, I don't feel like loving God. Some mornings, I get up and I get so busy working that I forget to love God. Some weekends, I get up and I get so busy doing what I want to do and need to do and need to accomplish that I forget to love God. I forget what God is actually like sometimes. If I forget too many days in a row or weeks in a row or some of us years in a row, we begin to forget what God is like, how, how God is holy, and how God is eternal. We forget how God is all-knowing, and God is all-powerful, and God is fair, and God is just. And we forget that God hates, hates sin. And to be reminded of that, all we have to do is look back at the cross to see what God put Jesus through because he hated sin. How in the world do I forget about God, the creator of this world? But I do. I do. This amazing God that cannot be contained by the physical laws of this world. Our amazing God that cannot be adequately described by our vocabulary. This amazing God that cannot be contained or grasped by my thinking. This God. This amazing God. And on the average day, we don't think very much about God. And yet, it is actually all about Him. Get this. Instead of thinking about God, if you're anything like me, instead of thinking about God, we have a tendency to think, well, it's okay to sin. Instead of thinking about God, we have a tendency to think we can do the very thing that God absolutely hates. We think we can sin. We think that it'll be okay. God won't mind too much. And after all, after all, listen, really, 
we have a tendency to think my life is the exception. Yeah, God really hates their sin. But he's a little more lenient with me. I'm the exception. Of all of God's creation, I get a hall pass. He lets me go. I don't have to really follow Him. I can just talk about it. I can mention it every once in a while. I could make a Facebook post or two. I could share some really cool things that other people have said about God. That's going to be good enough for me to get through and for God to kind of overlook the decisions I'm making and the things I'm doing. Why am I so quick to forget about God? Who do I really think that I am that I can get away with that? I'm such a loser. You don't even understand. Even after God gives me a peek at how amazing He is, I am quick to forget about it. I'm quick to forget about it. And to go back to living my life about me. And it's not about me. We have a tendency to think that this story is about us, that it is our story, but it is not our story. We are in His story. We are not even the main characters, not at all. We're just simply extras in His story. But the main character, God, the main character who also happens to be the executive producer, the writer, and the director, that main character, God, do you realize He knows your name? We're just extras. And He, the main character, the executive producer, the writer, the director, He knows our name. But even He can... The main character knows your name. He can call you and will and does call you by name. He does not exist to make a big deal about you or about me. Rather, we exist to make a big deal about God. The Bible puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 20. He demonstrated this power in the Messiah by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens. Verse 21. Far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but the one to come. And verse 22. And he put everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church. God says, this is all about him. And we are supposed to make our lives all about Him, not us. 
and not our small circle called our family and our small circle called our friends. There's one single point to our lives. There's one single point to every breath that you have been given to breathe. Our lives are to give glory to God. And it's not like a parent-child from this perspective, where a parent is looking at that child grow, and just by merely growing and doing things that a child does as they grow, like eventually a child rolls over, and the parents go crazy. Whoa, they rolled over! Eventually, they go TT in the potty. Whoa, we made it! Eventually, they walk. Eventually, they, they do things. And, and, and we go crazy as parents. That's not what we're talking about. That's not giving glory. That's the parent making a big deal over the kid. God says everything you do is to make a big deal about Him. When we take a step, it's, yeah, we did it because of Him. As we grow and mature and make it through tough things, yeah, we did it because of Him. Our life is to give glory to God. The Bible puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So, what, so whether you eat or drink or, or whatever you do in this life, no matter what you're doing, it's all for the glory of God. Everything we do should make God more and more and more famous in this life. God exists to show off God. God exists to broadcast God. Isaiah 48 puts it this way. I will rescue you for my sake. Speaking of the children of Israel. I will rescue you for my sake. Yes, for my own sake. He says, I will not let my reputation be tarnished. And I will not share my glory with idols. There's a paraphrase of this verse. And you know what it says? I love it. In this passage, the paraphrase, God says this. I have a reputation to keep up. <laughs> I'm not going to let you blow it. I have a reputation to keep up. I'm going to keep it. And I know we listen to that and we say, wow, that sounds pretty arrogant. I mean, God really sounds a little self-centered. No. Why does God promote Himself? Imagine with me. Imagine with me a dark ocean. And your plane that you're in loses altitude and lands in the ocean. In the middle of the ocean, dark, it's cold. Everyone makes it out of the plane and then the plane sinks. So you are there bobbing in the ocean, this dark, cold ocean. There are no lifeboats. There are no life jacket, jackets. And, and the, the, the seat 
that was supposed to be a flotation device, guess what? It didn't work. Have you ever tested it? (laughs) No life preservers on this trip. Everyone's bobbing in this cold ocean. They're losing their strength. They're going under. People are dying. They're drowning. They're freezing. And you're hurting. Your strength is giving out. But there's a rescue boat just near. And inside that boat there is a brave, a strong pilot of that boat. Do you want that boat to quietly slip through this dark, foggy night with people drowning and going under all around? Do you want him to just slip through in silence with everyone around him sinking and dying in this sea of guilt and this sea of anger and this sea of depression, this sea of addiction, this sea of abuse, this sea of loneliness, dying in this sea of life? No. No. You want him loud. You want the pilot of that rescue boat loud. Hey! Over here! Just grab on! Grab my hand! I'm here! Grab my hand! I'm here to rescue you! Don't go under! Don't give up! Grab my hand! And that's exactly what God did when Jesus hollered out in John chapter 14. Jesus told him, I am the way. Hey, listen. Hey, hey. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one. Forget what you've been trying. No one. Forget what you thought. Forget what you've been leaning on. Forget what you've been trusting to make yourself feel better. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying, grab on. Take hold. I'll pull you out. You don't want God to be silent. You want to shout out, God? God, let me see your glory. God, Father, Light up my path. Let me see. Light up this world. Let let your glory shine. And he rescues you. Because you heard him. Because you got a glimpse of his glory. But what happens next? What happens next? What happens after you are rescued? Once you're rescued, you get loud too. But not about you. You get loud about Him. Hey, hey friends, here's the rescue boat. 
Here's the pilot. You can trust him right here. He's changed me. He caught me. He'll catch you. He rescued me. He'll rescue you too. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says this, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only in Jesus, our Lord. You want to boast? Put all your boasting in Him. You want to get loud? Get loud about Him. The point of our lives is to point people to God. Everything that we do should make God more and more and more famous. We are here for Him. He's really not even here for us. We are here for Him. 1 Corinthians 8 says this, Yet for us, there's one God, the Father, for whom are all things, and we are for him. We're here for Him. God created us for Himself. God gave people the breath of life for Himself. And each breath was to reveal more and more of His glory. Everything He's created, He created it to make Himself more and more famous. Romans chapter 11 says, For everything comes from Him and exists by His power and is intended for His glory. All glory to Him forever. Amen. Why are there so many planets? Suns and stars and galaxies for Him, for His glory. Why do you have talents and abilities for Him, for His glory? Why do you have money for Him? Why do you possibly have poverty for Him? Why do you have strength? For Him. Why do we experience struggles? For Him. Ultimately. So He can be glorified. Everything exists to reveal His glory. You exist to reflect His glory. The last breath you just breathed just a moment ago. That one right there now. And that one right now, that breath that was given to you so that you could make God more famous. It was given to you so you could reflect His glory. This life I have, this is where we're ending. Hang tight to that connection card. We're going to use it in about five minutes. This life that I have, it is not about me your life. It is not about you. It's not even about your family or your friends. God gave it to you so that you could choose to make Him more and more and more famous in this world. And let's do that for the next five minutes or so. Let's make Him together. Let's make Him more famous as we sing
about him. to be 
Oh God, I'm not who I used to be. Jesus, I'm not who I used to be. I'm redeemed. Thank God, redeemed.
He's alive. As we end this morning, I simply want to ask you to do this. Would you be willing to take a spiritual inventory with us this morning? Using your connection card, on the very back side, we have some letters. And they are uh, A through E. And we're going to add an F to that this morning. But I'm just going to ask, if you'll take a spiritual inventory, will you let me know just kind of what's happening in your life, where you are spiritually at the moment? If you are at letter A, it means this. I'm not really interested at this moment right now. I'm not really interested in following Jesus. Would you just let me know? Or the B, it means this. I'm a new follower. I've decided today I'm following Jesus. The C stands for this. I've wandered away. I lived for a while all about me, but I'm back following Jesus now. That's what C means. D says this, I've been following some time, and he's changing me. He's rearranging me. He's working in my life. The letter E stands for this, for, uh, it's time for me to be baptized. I'm ready. I'm, I'm all in and in the water. <laughs> and that letter F, just add that if this is you. And I know you can't read it all, but it says, I'm still investigating following Jesus. I'm not quite there, but I'm still investigating. Let me know where you are. Circle that letter on your connection card. And now we're going to just begin sending those buckets down your row. That's where the connection cards go. We really, really want these connection cards. You can put your giving envelopes in there. Even if you didn't need it, go ahead and put them in there, even if it's empty. That's where your pens go as well. Someone's going to be coming down the aisle to pick those up. Even as I talk, even as I pray this morning as we end, continue passing those buckets. It's not disrespectful at all. And would you, as you're passing those buckets, would you join me in a closing prayer this morning? You know what? We will be back here next week for part two of Confessions of This Loser. I hope you'll be back with us. Let's pray. God, your word tells us that there is one God, that all things are from you and we exist for you. May the point of our lives be to point people to you. May the point of our lives be to make you more and more famous in this world. May we reflect your glory. Your word tells us that for everything comes from you and we exist by your power and it is all intended for your glory. And we say this, all glory to you, Jesus, forever. Amen.